Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Two Christmases ago, we went to visit their family. And then last Christmas, we were in Texas, too. But my family came to visit. Texas, too. Still rooting and still shooting. <laughs> Texas, too. Even bigger this time. <laughs> Welcome to the Crunch Daily Podcast. I got socket wrenches for Christmas. It's your boy Ethan. And I'm Patrick. Do you think any other do you think anybody else who did a podcast got socket wrenches for Christmas? My dad asked me if I needed any more tools like two days before Christmas. And I was like, Dad, does this mean you haven't gotten me a Christmas present yet? (laughs) (laughs) I was really struggling. My mom was like, We want to get you something. And I was like, because I'm at that age where it's like anything I really need I can buy for myself. Yeah. and and I've matured. I'm I've taken after you. Where anytime I want a book, I just buy it, you know, and don't think, <laughs> what if I had that book, you know? Um, and so there weren't a lot of books that I wanted because I know that I would buy books myself. So I was like, what, what on earth could be a good gift? And so I said, tools. Not that I have anything that I can do with them yet, or any any way to carry them. I don't have a toolbox. I just have tools scattered about the house now. But yeah. hey, if you ever need anything fixed, either in Imperial units or in metric units, baby, I got you covered. I'm sorry, I've been watching The Mandalorian, and so I was like, why are you using Imperial units to charge for handyman work? Can I can I talk for a second about The Mandalorian? Sure. I love that people are into it. Did you listen to Clerically Speaking this past week? No, I didn't because they said spoiler warning for The Mandalorian, and I had to skip that part of Clerically Speaking. I texted Father Harrison, and I don't know if I upset him. But he said something on the – I want to get your take. He said something on the podcast where he said the the thing that he loves about the new Mandalorian is that it's a cultural event and that everybody's talking about it. And Yeah. I was like the first time – the first time I heard anybody talking about it was when I listened to that episode of Clerically Speaking. So <laughs> I – I just – is it a culture – am I just miss, am I just out of the culture? Am I just missing out? I think you gotta, you might You got to tell I, me. You're on a college campus that um, – is socially distant. Maybe that's why you haven't has, heard about and it. And has no students on it right now. Yeah, so it's like or it, has for you're not around month. people. It seems like you're it's, not around people. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Damn. I mean, I don't I don't really I don't really like watch TV. You know, if you were like, "Hey Patrick, would you?" Cuz for me, I watch the shows that I watch and I like I follow I watch YouTube in my spare time now. I'm like I like this YouTuber, I'll watch his his YouTube videos and then I'll be like I'm done. <laughs> That's the low commitment yeah. and it's like I like hearing funny people talk funny things. You know, that's that's the thing. 
Funny and man so, make me laugh. That's funny all man I want. make me laugh while I eat my sandwich <laughs> and then I'm done. You know, it's and over. Then I, and then I go back to oh, back to work. That's it. This is a 15 minute event and it's done. Whereas like when when people are like, oh, you should watch the Queen's Gambit. I'm like, you know, that seems like far too much of a commitment because it's going to happen. It does. I'm going to get really into it and then I'm not going to work for a day and I don't like that feeling. Yeah. So instead, I got into chess because I'm like, I'm not going to watch it unless I know. What I I'm am. About. I am so proud of you for getting into chess. Can I just say that when I saw you, when I saw your name, Patrick Twitter, in my phone pop up, <laughs> and it had a had a picture of a chessboard, I was like, dang, this guy knows his way to my heart. You know, I used to compete in chess tournaments. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I knew that. We should we should play competitive. I mean, I didn't chess know that, online. but I've seen you, so I knew that. What do you mean? What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, I'm just that's kidding. Really... No, I, I, I knew that about you. I knew that about you. When you stayed at but, my house that one time, did my mom show you all the pictures in my scrapbook? I No, she didn't. Okay, thank goodness. She's only done that with the girls I've brought over. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's always we, a, we, that's always a I wasn't experience. at your house long enough for your mom and I to like have a chat. You know, She just had food ready, and then we like went to sleep. Yeah, and then we woke up the next morning and hosted an entire teen conference. Yeah, we did. Entirely that was canceled this on, year due to COVID. We, do you remember? <laughs> we coasted on the fumes of Vine for that entire conference. Oh, my gosh, we did. That, <laughs> we, that, that, we ran out of gas halfway through, and we went, does anybody know about Vine? And then that, you know that was it for the rest of the week. That, w- that conference was two years ago, right? So, yeah. like. Vine shut down in 2014, which means Vine steamed ahead for four years. But I don't think that I don't think that game would work at a youth conference now. No, no, not at name all. your like finish the Vine. Even even something like finish the TikTok, I don't think would work. It wouldn't because... work because everyone's TikTok is like algorithmically adjusted so that you know. <laughs> it's so, uh, <laughs> uh, it's so sad. It is sad. It is sad. Anyway, I but it's crazy. I was playing. I was playing chess with Sean. the pro, The problem is, like, I was super. I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna like learn chess moves. I'm like study openings, and then I'm gonna study end games. And I didn't study mid games because I figured, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's the that's the hard part of the game. That's the hard part of the game. And yeah. I was like, I was messing around with it, and I was and I was like, you know, let's get a chess set. So I went to Walmart, got a chess set, and I was like, Phoebe, we're playing chess. First game, it was an absolute. It was an absolute washout. I got her so good. Like it, I'm not proud of it, right? But I was like, "You sound, you sound kind of proud of it." No, I mean, I even I gave up a few pieces, and it was like, it, she like she had some good moves, but she had like she she didn't she never played chess before, so it was like hard to play chess. And I'd been playing for a couple of days, mm. so it wasn't very fair. And same with Sean, mm-hmm. and um, my dad. So my dad came and watched me play with play with uh, play chess with Sean, and he looked at my board and he was like, "You have no mid game," and I was like, "Yeah, no, I don't." Um, but I know how to I know how to get out of bad endgame situations, so I figure I know how to open, I know how to close. What's the who needs a middle? You know? <laughs> who needs a middle? So if we ever play chess together, I will lose. <laughs> yeah, because you'll lose all of your pieces in the middle game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, I don't need this knight anymore. He's not important. I just need no, to keep my Patrick. rooks safe. I no. like my rooks. No, 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 no. That's how you no. play chess, right? Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. Protect you the You just keep your queen. Yep. No, 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 no. Oh dear! You're giving me a you're giving me a hernia, giving <laughs> me a stress headache. Um, I learned I learned how to I learned how to get checkmate with one queen. I learned oh, how to yeah? get checkmate with one rook, and I learned how to get checkmate with two bishops. I don't know how to do it with one. 
you you can't do checkmate with one bishop and a king. Really? Okay. Or or with one uh one king and one knight or with a bishop and knight and a king. Really? Really? Those mi- that, that that's what I'm saying. Get rid of those pieces in the middle. Who needs it? <laughs> okay. So I I feel like now that I know a little bit about chess and now that I know what a queen's gambit is, I can watch the queen's gambit. So we were talking about cultural events. Yeah, I I forget what I was saying. I probably had some edgy point, but the other thing that's important is that I have a boom arm for the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can... I think your main I think your main point was cultural events are mass produced by Disney now. Well, yeah, this is the other thing. This uh, this is the last time I'll reference either clerically speaking or catching foxes on this podcast. But what I will say, Ever. it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Oh, first of all, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas um, to to you and to all of our listeners. But the it, it's Christmas, so I can do I can do whatever I want. But second of all, on on catching foxes, they were getting so close to discovering that all of the time that they've spent watching TV has just been them getting marketed to by big companies. But then they said, let's talk about Thomism. And I was like, oh, you guys were so close. You almost realized, <laughs> you almost realized it was all a waste of time, but it was really interesting. They, they had this great conversation about the Mandalorian actually. And they realized that, uh, a lot of the second season was just Disney setting up its future properties for other TV shows. Yeah. Um, which makes total sense. But they were like, oh, that's, I can't believe they're doing this. And I'm like, well, of course they're doing this. That's what, that's what Marvel did, you know, for, for yeah. 10 years. And everybody years. was just bought it hook, line, and sinker. That's what Star Wars has been doing since, since the – you remember the Star Wars Christmas special and also uh-huh. all of the merchandise that came out of Star Wars. And also, like, like this is just yeah, what these things have been for forever. And this, it's the same thing with TV shows. It's like – the Queen's Gambit is probably going to have a sequel and there's probably going to be a Queen's Gambit commemorative chess set that somebody's going to buy. It's like, and you're just, you're just giving more and more of our lives away to these things because mm-hmm. we allow like our emotions to be like, we let these companies kind of get their talons in on our emotions and then we're attached to these things. And it's like, well, if a sequel comes out, I have to know about it. Cause it's like, it's the same level as like a friend, you know, this person, yeah, whoever she is yeah. in the queen's gambit, the, the, the baby Yoda, the whatever it's become a part of you. And so it's like, if something new happens, I have to know about it. Not because, and nobody will say like, I have to know about it cause I'm addicted to television. They'll say it's like, cause it's, it's important to me. It's like on the same level as, you know, your friend giving you a life update, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. that same, which is so it's, and ev- it's, it's happening to everybody. It's happening to everybody. And everyone's I mean, like, we this all is, know, we all know like good. why Olaf was in frozen and why baby Yoda was in. Yes. Was in the Mandalorian. Plush it's so they toys. could sell these adorable. It's, it's so they can sell these adorable little baby Yoda onesies that are $50 at Columbia that I would totally buy because every baby would look so cute in a baby Yoda onesie. That's adorable. That's true. That's true. They do. They do have that though. They do have that. And this is the thing. It could be a Yoda onesie, but because it's a baby Mm. Yoda onesie, it's more, mm, it's even more expensive (laughs) (laughs) because it's not outdated. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, you're right. I don't want to, I don't want this podcast to be about that, but uh, no, that's, that's Speaking of some, turning some television into marketing, KFC made a movie. <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And people were like, I can't believe that I can't believe a company made a whole like 16 minute movie just to market a product. And I was like, what do you kidding. think Star Wars is? You are kidding me. I can't believe a company would make a movie. <laughs> it's, 
what, this, what are people doing when the Paramount logo comes up? What do they think that means? What, what do they think? What, do they think that's just some guy, Mr. Paramount, who sits there? Mr. Flipping, Paramount's like, I, you know what I want to make? You know he's what like I in make? an old time emoji movie. That's no. what I care about. <laughs> Mr. Paramount is a guy who sits in an old timey boiler room, spinning knobs and pulling levers, and then out comes a movie. And it's just that's out what he does. The minions. Out, out comes Despicable Me Four, starring Steve Carell's wife. For some reason. Seriously? I don't. I no. I don't know. That I made that up. Oh, okay. I believe it though. Let's get in the hot take time machine. Oh. Okay. I just felt it low, and I was like, we can't yeah, lull no more. Well, I was just drinking. I was just drinking some. Oh, sorry. I can't see you. So It's okay. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine, the part of the show where we take a look back at Christmas past, and we discover that we really needed <laughs> friendship the whole time, and also that I have been hoarding my money and jumping into a pile of gold coins because I am Scrooge McDuck. And I, also... I'm familiar with Christmas past, present, and future, but I have yet to meet Christmas pluperfect. And the well, uh, the the Christmas future conditional. <laughs> Are you? What about the Christmas present participle? <laughs> hey, Ethan, your participle's dangling. Oh no, uh, not again. <laughs> Patrick, Ethan, do you have a hot take time machine? Oh, I do have a hot take. So this one is more of a visual gag. Uh, and perfect I just for was... our podcast medium. Perfect for us for a podcast. Uh, this one is from December twenty fifth, two thousand and fifteen. Speaking of Star Wars, this is not <laughs> planned. I got a bookmark of uh, Ray from The Force Awakens, um, and she's walking, you know, with her stick that she she had in the, in the seventh film. Um, and it's it's so it's that, and then it's uh, Orthodoxy by Gilbert Keith Chesterton, and then Abandonment <laughs> to Divine Providence, and those are the gifts I put that on Twitter, and I said, "Merry Christmas from me and Ray with the heart emoji." Um, nine. You know, months. Emma kind of looks like Ray. No, I I have thought that. I have thought that, and that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I have I have thought that. I will. I refuse to be indicted for anything on this podcast. The only problem is, you, your nose has nothing on Kylo Ren's. I'm trying to imagine Adam Driver's face. On your face. <laughs> <laughs> on my face. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I do think. I do think proportionally. I think Adam Driver is like you took the. Like if I was if I was in Microsoft Word and you clicked and dragged the corner and you went up a little bit, not the corner, <laughs> like the t- the top. Like he's the just, top, like you... he's just taller and slim, slender. If you warp the, the picture a little bit, if you warp him a little yeah. bit, so I think proportionally our noses are about the same size. Uh, R E, our face size overall. I have a really small face. He's got a he's got a pretty long face, so. I don't know. Hard to say. Way better hair than me, though, for sure. Oh, so much. For so much. sure. Yeah. Every time in you watch Marriage Story, every time he puts his hand in his hair and pushes it back because he's stressed out about his divorce settlement, man. They get closer and closer to getting back together every time he does that. And then they freaking don't at the end. It's like, what the heck? What was this movie it's, about? This is it's a, a divorce story. story. It was a divorce story. Stupid film. We do not stand. Don't like it. Uh, so I just like that it was. it had orthodoxy by chesterton in the background because it's just like who, who do I, a little bit who of a did I think that i was um 
one of the one of the problems that I'm running into is that um, Chesterton is like what's a, what's a good what's a good like not Catholic analogy for who G.K. Chesterton is? It's unfortunate that G.K. Chesterton is like the he's like the Christopher Dawkins, dude, Richard Dawkins, the you know the guy, the God delusion guy, but for Christians, uh-huh. he's like. G.K. Chesterton is like our snappy atheist. If we were atheists, it would that that'd be G.K. Chesterton. Mm. He's like a clever, you know what I'm talking about. And so he's like, like it, it, he's like the uh, uh, he's like the Magic Johnson of basketball. Yep, there is nothing. <laughs> if Magic Johnson and G.K. Chesterton went one v one, it would be a really tough game. Like for both of them. He's like they the Barry Bonds. Time. He's like the Barry Bonds. He's, He's like the uh, Barry Bonds of theology. Uh, you you'd say your hot take, and I'll work on that one for a while. All right, cool. Sounds good. Sounds good. This one comes from December 2015. This this will only make sense if you're familiar with copy pasta. He's like a the soldier. Glenn. He's like the Glenn Miller of <laughs> swing bands. There we go. That's <laughs> got that one. I don't think you understand what an analogy is. Okay, <laughs> so it's more of a simile. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a thought with another thought's hat on. Uh, that's from Community. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. A soldier was alone in his. This is from December 2015. A soldier was alone in his barracks one Sunday morning with a deck of cards. His drill sergeant came in and said, "Private, why are you in here playing cards instead of out in the field doing drills with the rest of your battalion?" <laughs> The sergeant stopped for a moment and then continued. Oh, I get it. Each card represents a random aspect of Christianity, right? To which the private replied, no, I'm just playing solitaire. <laughs> Do you remember that copy pasta that was like all over Facebook? No, I don't. Please enlighten me. But I like, it. Like... I like it better without the context, to be honest. <laughs> the soldier is playing, the Play. soldier is playing cards in his, his barracks. And he's like, he's like, this is my Bible. <laughs> this is my deck of cards. Like it's it, it, this, the sergeant comes in. He's like, "Why aren't you doing your soldier job?" And the soldier's like, "This is this is my, I'm praying. This is my Bible." And he's like, "The the ace reminds me that God is one. The two reminds me that God and me are one." Got and he goes like all the way up. Like the the ten reminds me of the ten commandments and all that mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a it's like. If it if it were Catholic, it would be like the the hypostatic union and the Trinity and then like you know the Gospels or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's all it's 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 Protestant, so it's more random. It's not really like the numbers yeah. don't actually mean anything. <laughs> and um, that sounded like a dunk. I swear it wasn't. But, it is uh, okay. And so and 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 it always it always made me laugh because it's like he's like I'm praying with these cards. And I'm like a Bible, like a pocket Bible is not that much bigger than a deck of cards. Like I don't understand. And it's also not like dudes in the army don't have Bibles. Like it's not yeah. like the, and especially since he's, he's very clearly like in an American training camp where there's no danger. Like it's not like he would have right? lost his Bible. It's like, get outside. We're in Texas. Go do drills. Like, yeah, you, like you get to go to church this weekend. You'll get, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. It's like. It's like he he's praying with the cards as if the cards are like telling him something new, you know? He's like he is it I, is it like you shuffle the cards and then you get like a random aspect of Christianity like, "Oh, what am I praying about today? Oh, I'm praying about the 3 of hearts. That reminds me about the Trinity loves me." You know, it's I feel like I feel like that's uh that's a little bit of a stretch. And so this 
it, it was one of those it's one of those things that like your aunt who's on Facebook too much and still sends you Candy Crush Saga notifications posts. Yes. And so I, I made I, I must have been making a, a, a pair. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny because you banked on people knowing for the rest of time what that copy pasta was. And I'm impressed that you remember it, to be honest. That was six oh, I, years ago. I saw the I saw the post and I was like, Oh yeah, oh. this is uh I remember exactly what this is. But it, it's it's also it's 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 all it just bugs me it's one of those things that of the many things that randomly bugs me uh-huh. like how people talk about how the oh the i swear the the 12 the 12 days of christmas is a song that was taught in churches in england because they couldn't teach kids about jesus and i'm like when in england was teaching kids about jesus illegal you know when did they need to like co- codify it in a song where like the partridge in a pear tree is Jesus on the cross? I like don't believe that's true. Oh yeah, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound right to me. I don't think I don't think the church fathers would approve. Like yeah. a lot of these things, if you said if you if you gave Jerome that story, Saint Jerome, <laughs> the story of the soldier with the cards, and and said like this is how people are evangelizing in two thousand years, I feel like he'd have some words. You know, he'd be like, why didn't that heathen memorize the Bible like I did? <laughs> <laughs> what a feisty fella he was. Yeah. Do we have any uh, user submitted hot, hot takes? User, as if we have users of the User podcast. submitted. Yeah, we got some <laughs> users submitted. <laughs> we have the, people, the users of the grunge. So I'm, I'm still recording. Are you still recording? I am still recording. Are you still recording? I am still recording. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, there's no, there's no user submitted hot take time machines. That was where we left off. That's sad. It is. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. That's okay, though. We can overcome. So you have a topic for us? I do have a topic for us. Let's go into the hot topic. Hot topic <laughs> Let's go I'm into the hot topic. <laughs> so in the eternal quest for topic, it's very difficult to, to come up with content week after week um, without relying solely on the things that I've read recently. So I, I would like to do... Uh, a, a, a mini part mini topic before we get into maybe our bigger topic because i would i was thinking about it while we were doing the hot take time machine i would like to explore uh donald quixote just a, just a little bit i think i think it's something i think it's fresh it i think fresh. don quixote was a cultural event and so we need to explore <laughs> it. there hasn't been a cultural event since don quixote that was he was the last we, one. there hasn't been uh when when michael uh busted that one out of his brain. That um, every time i every every time i read uh the name of his horse i i hear you saying rothenante rothenante <laughs> rothenante that's very funny <laughs> to me okay so 
there I got some books recently. One of them is Don Quixote. And when I say recently, recently, I mean I bought it over the summer, but I just started reading it over the last week. And another book that I got recently is Three to Get Married by Fulton Sheen. And another book that I got that I got recently is called Drawing for Architecture by Leon Creer. And hopefully the dream is to tie all of these together in one big podcastic boogaloo. Uh, if that doesn't happen, <laughs> that's okay. But Did you I, just use the word podcastic? <laughs> Did I? I didn't mean to. I don't know. That, I like that. <laughs> it's podcastic. How would, you, how would you describe your podcast? It's podcastic. <laughs> <laughs> My hair is plastic. It's podcastic. <laughs> um, all right. I... I want you to to ask me the question that you asked me earlier about about oh, okay. Jose. Yeah, because I, I wanted to start with that because my my you're you're a hundred pages in right, and this is something I like am. I took a, I am I took a class on Don Quixote. I had like did you actually? So you know yeah, so I much. I don't know anything. I'm a dumb. So boy. honestly, I don't I don't know more. A lot of a lot of what I what it was taught was covered in the footnotes, but it, it was <laughs> it was like it was a really good time to like discuss someone who was like with someone who was like a Don Quixote scholar actually you know what no I did learn a lot in in that right, class yeah I, I let's way to walk that one back yeah um but we we talked this, this is like the age-old question in this class was like is Don Quixote a sympathetic character yeah because you're like there's several ways to look at it right and there's the romantic view of it where it's about a guy who puts on a suit of armor and like rides off into the sunset and he takes along his next door neighbor who's like a fat dad who has a ton of kids and leaves them all behind let's let's also let's not forget that the reason he goes off is because he's read every single like fantastical novel about knights that that has ever been written like he's read all of them he's memorized all of them he's begun to live his life according to the to the to the chivalric code yeah the the values in the chivalric code that exists within these this this fantasy fictional universe he's created it to be real for himself and so he he loses his mind essentially and just sets off and steals his neighbor from his family and goes and immediately gets beaten up like 10 times in a row (laughs) (laughs) it's several times of his own he beats himself up by running at a windmill he He runs at a windmill Eventually. He 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 sees two herds of sheep running towards each other, and he charges at the sheep because he creates this whole narrative of it being rival armies, and one of them has a is a pagan army, and one of them is a Christian army, and he charges at them. And the shepherds see him like killing their sheep, so they throw rocks at him. But he's trying to heal from his wounds by drinking this elixir that he makes, and they hit the bottle that he's drinking out of, and all of his teeth come flying out because he gets attacked. Th- shepherds are throwing rocks at him, and it's just. Yeah. He, he puts himself in all these like bad situations because he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to be a virtuous chivalrous knight. Um, mm-hmm. And so, sorry. So I just wanted to give a bit more, more backstory, a bit more background. Yeah. That's Don Quixote. And then from, from this book, we get the word quixotic, which defines anyone, which means like anyone who's going off on like an insane quest driven by nothing, but you know, their own desire, for hubris. glory, misplaced hubris. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, it's that's the main question is are you supposed to like him you know are are you supposed to be like good for you man you're following your dreams you know or are you supposed to be like this absolute idiot how can i be not like him i you know i think that's why they say that this is the first modern novel 
because mm-hmm. because it's this that's because that's the question that's raised right is like he if you if you look at the novel through modern standards right which deny that there's any sort of objective truth which deny that there's any sort of way for humanity to have the truth mediated to it um that you you fabricate and create your own truth regardless of who you are where you're coming from or your expertise um then the modern person would have to say he's he's right in doing everything that he did you know like the modern person would have to look at that and say i have to support him because he believes that he's doing he's he he is shouting his truth you know and he's, he really he's, is. he's shouting it hard <laughs> to the point where he's injuring himself and other people, you know, and then that, that begs another question of like, you know, shout your truth as long as it doesn't impose upon other people. But like, we all know that that's an untenable position in society, you know, like you can't have things that are true without it imposing on people. And so, um, I do think that that question is why people will say, well, this is the, this sets the stage for quote unquote modern novels, but. I don't know the. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I if I side with him yet. I have to read more. I mean, I don't. I don't know. So just going based on like, let's just deal with the first the first book sure. then, because the sure, first sure, book sure. is very yeah. like, yeah, it's very concise. If you wanna, if you wanna under, if you wanna try and read Don Quixote, just commit yourself to book one. Book one is a fourth of the book. It's very short. Um, it actually might be less than that. It might be an eighth of the book, but it's very it's very short, and it has a lot of the more well-known the windmills episode uh is mm-hmm. the most famous because it happens within the first 10 pages of the book right and um, people get there and, and they're he, like oh i've read don quixote and then they stop i've read don quixote now i know the i understand them. there are actually two instances with windmills uh he's, don't spoil it no spoilers no spoilers um more don't tell more, me don't tell me about the time in don quixote where ahsoka tano shows up <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's so like <laughs> Man- Mandalorian. The second season was I. I kept I kept looking at like Phoebe, and I was like, "This is a setup for another thing." I'm like, and they're like, "Oh, it's Boba Fett. Boba Fett's back." I'm sorry, spoilers. Boba Fett's back, and I'm like, "God, death means nothing now in movies because if the franchise gets big enough, that character could just escape a sarlacc pit." You know, like <laughs> anyway. even though we saw his whole thing getting wrecked. Absolutely. But, but anyway. It doesn't matter. This is not important. And uh, the, the one of the two two main things that like kind of immediately bring up an answer to that question is the episode with the shepherd's boy. And um, actually, no, let's just deal with that one. There's a there's an instance with a shepherd boy, and then there's the battle with the Basque. So the Basque is like the this guy. This ends the first book. I haven't um, got there yet. Oh, okay. Well, but that's it's not, okay. It's not a big spoiler. We can, we can we can talk about it. I'm not opposed to spoilers. I understand the character, so I can probably figure out what he's gonna do. He fights this guy, and um, he the the book ends in the middle of the battle. Because oh, the guy oh, oh, writing, oh, oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I have. Okay, that. he's writing. He's right. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's, kind of, it's really goofy what what Cervantes does, but um, anyway, he picks a fight with this guy for no reason. For no re- for nothing but chivalric glory, he wants to fight this man because he slighted him. He straight up is just like you have to go. First of all, he wants to honor this woman he's he'd never really talked to, and he goes. Dulcinea up to this, doesn't exist. Dulcinea doesn't exist. Yeah, he's like fighting for this, uh, the honor of this woman that isn't real, 
which I think is an interesting concept. We should come back to this, like fighting for this this lady that that doesn't actually exist. But then he he goes up to this guy, this this retinue that is coming down the road, and he says, "You you must go and stop at Toboso, and and pay honor to to pay homage to my to my lady." And the guy's like, "I don't know who she is." No, <laughs> and he's like, "Fine <laughs> then." And so he starts a fight with this guy. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And the other more the other more like obvious wrong that he does he tries to go off and he's like as a knight so there's a there's a man who is whipping a servant <laughs> this one tied him funny. to a tree and whips him this one is and funny. and he goes up to the guy and he's like stop and the guy's like okay and don quixote says let him go and the guy's like all right i will and then unties him and then don quixote says since i know that you're a man of your word since you are a good knight I will leave you. And then he just walks away and the guy hits the kid harder. Yeah. After he leaves. Yeah. And so it's like, he's doing all of these quote unquote good deeds, but it's not, it's not, he's doing what he believes is honor. He's like trying to do, do, he's trying to do honor to this young boy. He's trying to do honor to his fake woman, but he ends up hurting people in the process. And this is something that I think when you read the book in that light, you're like, how could anyone be sympathetic with this guy? I think a modern, the, not modern in the modern sense, but like the last couple of decades, sense of the word modern, um, the musical Man of La Mancha has done a disservice to the way people read Don Quixote. I don't know what that is. Can you tell me what that is? Please? Okay. A musical in the 1970s called the Man of, or called Man of La Mancha was released. And it's about, it's about Don Quixote and it's, it's 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 interesting, but it's where the song "Impossible Dream" comes from. To dream the impossible dream, that song. I don't know, I don't know it. It's this really beautiful song about like dreaming for what about what's impossible and like you know, fighting the unbeatable I foe. I dreamed like, a dream of time, of time gone, gone by. by. No, is it that it's, one? A lot of songs are about dreamings. No, okay. it's uh, it's Don Quixote. The character Don Quixote sings this song. My way. I can go the distance. That's from Hercules. That's from Hercules. (laughs) But it's a song about, it's a song about like doing what's impossible and like fighting for what you believe in regardless. And it's a very like, I don't know what the word is. It's not romantic. It's just, it's very, uh, modern in its sensibilities you can do anything that you put your right. mind to right, right and right, and right, right. Dul- in the in the in the musical dulcinea is a real person oh really she's a she's a prostitute that he falls in love with and is convinced that that she's a queen and so he like kind of elevates her out of her lowly state and it's like but in in the in the book he meets prostitutes he believes they're princesses and they rob him you know like yeah they're like yeah we're totally princesses and they like they use him right and he he kind of He's kind of like, I think that I think that tree is fake and runs at it and it's real. You know, like, I think that's the point of the book is you can do whatever you can say, whatever you want about reality. Eventually, reality is going to hit you in the face. Right. Um, I think that's what the book is about. And I think that if we read it in that light, instead of the light of like, ah, this man is going off into the into the world. The world that he's looking for does not exist and never has. And I think that's what makes this book the modern novel, because that's what. That's what liberalism does. Well, okay, S- slow down. Nope, nope. I can, I can We're hear you getting, I can hear you getting excited. I need you to just slow down. So, uh, I do think that the novel, at its core, is about truth and the nature of truth, uh, which is really important because 
this is why I said before the podcast that I I think Don Quixote is a rad trad because (laughs) he's he's created this false idea of this lady that he's fighting for and then reads a whole bunch of books about how to defend this lady's honor and then goes out and sees himself as this great defender of this lady. But in actuality, everybody thinks he's a buffoon. Everybody. <laughs> and yeah. maybe that's like an unhealthy comparison and I shouldn't be, you know, the kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And yes, I support I support young men and women who uh, love the liturgy and love the Latin mass and who think Pius Twelfth was a great pope. I, I think you guys are doing great out there. You keep it up. But at the same time, Oh, you think Pius XII was so great? Name name three of his albums. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Pius the one, Pius the two. Uh, <laughs> what if popes were named after how many albums they had released? But I think there's this element of how Christians can be. There's a great oh man. There's a great line in in the book where he's somebody's asking him, you know, who's better or he's, he's really just kind of creating this monologue for himself. And he's talking about how, uh, who's better, you know, the monks or the, or the knights, you know, out, out doing the work, the monks who are praying and who are, who are in, you know, cloistered in their monasteries or in their convents or whatever, and who are praying for Christ to be doing his good work out in the world. He pays lip service to the reality of prayer. He pays lip service. Mm-hmm. like, Oh yes, obviously the monks are better than me, but I mean, it's hard to say because I am kind of the actor that is acting out the righteousness that the monks are praying for. So who's really to say, you know, which one is better? And he kind of yeah. leads, he leads himself to believe that he is the one that's actually achieving God's work. And I think that is, that's a really important message for, for Christians today because we can, we can be in our bubble. We can be in our house and we can grow up our whole lives reading about Catholicism, reading about Christianity, hearing about the saints, listening to Ascension Press podcasts and YouTube channels and all of these things that make us feel really good about all the things that we know about our faith. And we know, we know that we need healing and healing so important to us. And like, I just got to go get some healing. And like, we, we hear all these words and we hear all these things that like good people and holy people are saying like, yes, there's lots of people in this world who need healing, but, um, it, or, or you know, whatever the thing might be. Healing just happens to be the buzzword that's happening right now. But um, we hear all of these things, and we learn, and we learn, and we learn, and we learn. And then we go out into the world, and this is why people make fun of Christians all the time. This is why people don't take the Catholic Church seriously, is because yeah. everybody sees us like how everybody sees Don Quixote in the novel, as this kind of crazy guy who's hopped up on old ideals that don't actually work in real life. Because... While yes, like Christian ideals should be seen as foolish by the world, and that's that's true, and there is an element of that. But there's also like a lack of of groundedness and a lack of rootedness of of the virtue that Christians today try to apply. Like not everything think, is a is a Hillsong, you know, uh, uh, chorus, you know, where we can just go goes, out. I think and, it goes further than that. Keep going. I don't think, Take it further. I think football not, handoff. I think. I don't think it's about like they they're too they're too tied to like the past of how things were. Don Quixote isn't too tied to the past. He's tied to a past that never existed. Okay, and yes, that's a that's key fair. that's a key that's element fair. of yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's a key element of conservatism. It's it's what he tie, yeah what he thinks the past yeah, is. I suppose what we think the past was, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's a conversation that I've had before, where it's like, well, this you know the the culture has been going downhill since the '60s. It's like things were better in the sixties or things were better in the fifties. And it's like, you know, things really weren't better because we still didn't have a really good idea of what human dignity was Mm -hmm. because you still, not everybody could use all the water fountains. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) there are things there. We we use napalm on Vietnamese villages. All right. We did not have it figured out. (laughs) If you, if you, if you have a, if you have a glorious idea of like what the middle of the 20th century was like, I want you to Google, me lie massacre all right i want you to look that up don't look it up um it was a very bad massacre in vietnam and it's this is this is the thing is like the past that we're pining for really didn't exist and it's this this reaction to the idea that you know paradise is in the future you know we just need to like be as we get as much progress as possible it's this reaction of i'm going to retreat into this fake history that I've built for myself. And that's what Don Quixote does. He can't face the reality of the fact that he doesn't even have enough money to feed himself. The, the opening of the book talks about Don Quixote's poverty. He's an Hidalgo and Hidalgo means son of someone. And in, so he was, he's essentially, he's of noble blood, but it also talks about how he can only really afford a quarter portion of meat One in a pot. One quarter portion. <laughs> One quarter portion. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm pretty sure that is. A, I'm pretty sure that is in there. The quarter portion of meat. Yeah. Um, but he can really he can't really afford anything to eat, and so he's like he's he retreats into his books as an escape. Right. He escapes into this right. fake history. And I don't think I don't think the books are necessarily like a direct Evil. analogy for. Yeah. yeah, the books aren't evil, but they are his escape of from reality. And then he imposes that escape on other people. And I think it just shows there's a necessity that when you create a fake reality for yourself, you will eventually try to impose on other people. And so the question is, what reality should we be imposing on people? Reality. Hmm. I, I think this applies to the current situation. COVID-19. COVID-19, COVID the novel coronavirus. COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. SARS-CoV-2. I don't know. The squeakle. I don't, stop it. Um, I don't know if we've, if I've talked about this on the, on the show before. Stop me if I have. But there's this notion of the generation older than us, maybe two generations older than us, Gen X, older millennials, that once we get the vaccine and everybody has the vaccine, it's all going to go back to normal and everything will be okay. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. It's the, it's the return to the promised land. We've been wandering in the desert for 40 years and now we're back. And mm-hmm. like when I was home, right. And my parents just had the news on cause that's just, they, they like to watch the news. And so every single story was about, Who's getting the vaccine next? When are we getting the vaccine? When's the vaccine coming? Who's getting the vaccine? How many vaccines actually? It's just all, it was all about the vaccine. Yeah, that's all right? the news is about. It's all the news is about. And I get it, right? The vaccine is great. I want everybody to be 
uh, I, I want the virus to go away just as much as anybody else does. They took Seek 21 away from me. Okay. Like, don't, don't think that for was a, our year. This was our year. Don't think for a second that I'm uh, not eager for the pandemic to be over and I'm not eager to use vaccines to get the pandemic over with. Like, I think, I think it's good and I think people should use vaccines. Like, I just, I don't really, I don't have a dog in this fight. So, um, it is going to be nice to spend New Year's with my family for the first time in like three years. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so what I'm saying is there's this idea that we can have heaven on earth. We can have utopia here. And it's this, like what the Jews were thinking, like, oh man, we've been wandering the desert. We've been banished because, you know, we didn't go over the river. Um, but once they actually do cross over into the promised land, what do they got to do? There's a bunch of giants and scary people that they got to kill to get the land back. You know, like it's not yeah. like it's not done at that point. And then even when they do conquer all the land and finally we have the glorious reign of of King David, you know, it, it lasts for like one one king and then it goes to yeah, Solomon. And Solomon's like, I'll have a couple more of those wives, please. Yeah. Have, have you heard about wives <laughs> because <laughs> wait till you hear about concubines solomon what's that uh, give me a thousand you know like it's just it's nuts and then he begins worshiping you know pagan gods and then it just goes downhill from there and for every good king that you have you have 10 bad kings um and it and then you get into the babylonian captivity and then you're you're and then you get into roman uh, uh subjugation and oppression and then you get to the time of christ and everyone's like yes finally we're, everything's gonna the kingdom of god is here right the kingdom of god is here and jesus that's what jesus says he says the kingdom of god is here but he doesn't mean on this earth everything's gonna be fixed now you know like that's yeah. not what he says and that's not what he claims he doesn't say ever make any promise that like everything on earth is going to be fixed what he means is that he's bringing the holy spirit and he's giving us grace so that we can have the kingdom of God present within our hearts so that our sins can be forgiven so that we can one day be reunited with him in heaven and with our resurrected bodies. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says that the kingdom of God is here. Fast forward today, reconnect it back, right? Just because we get the virus doesn't mean everything is going to be fixed. And I'm not talking about COVID-19. I'm just saying like we we can't just look forward to this thing. This this is the, the like every all of Gen X is Don Quixote right now because they're like once we once we achieve this thing, right? Once we <laughs> once we once we go we we've complete our quest, right? And, and it's a very different quest, but it's it's a quest nonetheless where we've got this vaccine and everybody gets the vaccine and we've paid sufficient honor to instead of Dul, Dulcine, Dulcinea, is that her name? Yeah. Instead of paying honor to Dulcinea, we've paid honor to to Pfizer and Moderna. And we can we can go back out, but it's like it's it was never really. It's this ideal that we're chasing that was never really real in the first place, you know. Where everyone's just gonna yeah. go back to seeing their friends a couple times a month, and then still watching just as much Netflix as they watched before. So, like, what's <laughs> what's really gonna be different, you know? Is does that yeah. make sense? It does. I think. I think we've all been tied to the news too much. Um, Who's we? Don't use this royal we on this podcast. Royal we. Uh, I ain't watching no news. I wasn't expecting to talk. I wasn't expecting to talk about the virus. Um, oh, so I wasn't really. It just kind of caught me off guard. But sorry, I, I dig everything you've said. Okay, thank you. I'm, you don't I, have to talk about the virus. That's just like a side note that I wanted to make. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. We can we can go back to Don Quixote now. But the yes, the utopian ideal is very 
consistent. And I, I don't I don't think it's unique to this virus situation. I don't think it's unique. It's obviously not unique to the Israelites. I think people are, are approaching the election of Joe Biden the same way. Mm. You know, now everything is fixed. Yeah. Um, Trump's gone. Now we, it's all good. Now orange man gone. Um, Donald Quixote is gone. <laughs> I'm going to dress up like a president. (laughs) I've read all these books about presidents, and I think (laughs) now it's time. Mike Pence, leave your family. Come with me. Come with (laughs) me. We're going on an adventure. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Bow down before Melania. (laughs) Pay Pay, homage to to Melania. Anyway, that's that's the end of that. Complete what what your thought was, please. Um... I'm not sure. I think I think that I think that I've, I haven't really looked at Don Quixote this way before. Which but way? I think this I this way of him. My my final paper for my Don Quixote class was called Don Quixote as a transmodern hero, and mm. it came the word transmodern came from um, this article that I read about the modern the pre-modern period, the modern period, and the postmodern period. And it's this division of time between before the 1500s, mm-hmm. after the 1500s, and like after the, and then like the 1900s, right? Yeah. So it's like from Christ to 1500, so like from Christ to the Reformation, from the Reformation to the turn of the World, 19th century. World War One, World War One, and then World War One and afterwards is like the postmodern period. And right. it's this idea that it's a division that happened in the postmodern period, obviously. The pre-modern and modern had no idea. But it's the book the, the, the paper was about how Don Quixote seems to be living in the modern world, championing postmodern values, using postmodern values to champion pre-modern values. So he lives in a modern a modern world where religion is kind of relegated to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we the the Enlightenment is beginning. You know, the the Enlightenment period is beginning, and he's using the postmodern value of I'm creating my own truth to in order to propagate post pre-modern values. Meaning, He's using the pre-modern idea of cr- promoting your own truth to impose, to create his own truth of pre-modern values, right? And I think that's something that Catholics need to avoid, mm-hmm. using using the modernist arguments and, and lingo to defend Catholicism, right? Approaching Catholicism as if it is my truth, mm. even in the back of your mind— Catholicism is something that I believe. I can I just say one of the yeah. right along this line. One of the things that drives me up the freaking wall is <laughs> it's and it's not just like your average you know boomer priest that does this. It's it's Father Mike Schmitz. It's like the the people on stage they couch the truths of the Catholic faith in stupid dumb language and they say things like we as Catholics believe no. 
it is true that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. It is true that Mary intercedes on our behalf. It is true that the communion of saints intercedes on our behalf. Like these are things that are just factually and so much more true than anything that we could just like <laughs> conjure up, you know? And so yeah. I, I hate it when people say we as Catholics believe because it teaches people who are, are our age, who are trying to evangelize, that this is just another thing that you believe. Like, I think the Queen's Gambit is a good show. I think that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. Like, that's that's what we do is we deflate and we we take away the the actual demands that truth makes, you know? Like, it's it's not, that, not like Jesus came and said, you know, I believe that my father, you know, will forgive your sins. <laughs> you know, like he yeah. didn't he didn't say that. He said he said it with authority and it was true. And why don't we do that? You know, it's it's because of what you're saying, right? It's like we're using the the modern way of speaking to talk about our faith. Yeah, and And it's it's, it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. And it's 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 something that I I run into even with people who are radically orthodox and very intensely into their Catholic faith. You talking they about They still, sorry. <laughs> Nothing. I said you talking, talking about, about me. Are you talking about me? <laughs> I'm not going to blast the speaker, but it, it's like they. This is this is the crunch. Welcome to another segment on the show called Blast the Speaker. Um, they 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 argue with the USCCB when it's convenient or they argue with their bishop when it's convenient or they argue with church teaching when it conflicts with what they want to happen. And I think they, we, we tend to, when someone's not being orthodox enough, we tend to be like, well, you're wrong. And also your interpretation or, you know, your authority is invalid because you're not, I don't know, the people who invoke the, the St. Paul clause in the respect the Pope law where it's like, but if you, you can disagree with him, Right, they, people that do that. Paul when corrected we do that. Peter. Yes, the Paul corrected Peter clause. That's that's what we all argue. When when the the Pope does something we don't like, or when our bishop says something we don't like, or our priest says something we don't like, we're like, well, you know, that's where that's where the authority of the church ends. You know, or like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, the USCC put put out a statement. A pro life speaker talked about how she didn't believe the statement. The statement was grounded in moral theology. I'm like, what are you doing? Are we talking about that Lila Rose thing? I don't know if Lila Rose argued with the USCCB, but Abby Johnson did. Oh, sorry. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Those two people exist in the same. Yeah. In the same space. And she posted, she posted a video about how she's like the cat. We as Catholics need to rise up and we can't compromise. And I'm like, you're, you're speaking in platitudes. None of those words mean anything. Um, how does one rise up and defend when no one's attacking you, you know, it's, there's really no, there's really no way to, the only, the only thing you can do is post and this, it's, that's useless. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Everybody got so mad this summer because of the Black Lives Matter protests. Everybody got so mad, but it's like that language and that sort of idea of we need to rise up. You know, it's, it's the same thing that Black Lives Matter did. Right. And it's, it's mm-hmm. good. It's good to protest things that are bad, right? It's good to protest injustice. So let's just let's just get that out out the gate. But I also my question is what 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 is the result of those protests? What is the result of all of that that momentum and, you know, we're striking while the iron is hot and we're going to we're really going to fight for real change. All that really happened was that parts of Seattle got burned down, parts of Portland got burned down, and then um, everybody went home. 
and now yeah. it's all the same. <laughs> and so it's just like it it just makes me wonder like when you have people on opposite sides of the of the spectrum or whatever doing this kind of same thing it's like you're you're doing what the people that you cried out against you know 6 months ago were doing and you're doing it yeah. for a different reason but you're doing the exact same thing and this is why it's i just i hate that like i don't want to sound like a broken record but we just don't we don't have enough recourse to the person of Jesus like I feel like nobody is ever stopping and like looking at their actions and looking at what they're saying and looking at how they're saying it and looking at what they're telling other people and looking at what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve and thinking from first principles and saying, okay, I'm here, the faithful Catholics, right? This is who I'm talking about. I'm here on this earth to become a saint and to make as many other people, you know, saints with me as possible is everything that I'm doing in service to that. Right. And I know that this is how I need to pray. I need to evangelize. I need to be with the poor. I need to, to like all these things that we know are facts because we read the gospels, hopefully. And I just feel like we don't have enough recourse to that. We just, we, we, it's like, it's just kind of assumed. And then we say things like we as Catholics believe, but there's no added like actions to back that up. Like we as Catholics believe that we should be praying every day and reading scripture every day, but nobody says that. We people we see things like we as Catholics believe that we need to vote pro life. It's like wait a minute, hold on. Like, yeah. let's, let's we we're missing the first principles. We're jumping to the to second or tertiary tertiary principles, and this is I just I just wish we talked about Jesus more. Is really like and and, uh, why the why reason is we? not. I think the I think that it's the only way to the only way to to have a good. Con- constructive discussion with someone is by finding common ground. And that's just, should be common sense. It's not like if you're talking, if you want to talk to a Protestant about the intercession of the saints, um, don't talk to them about what the papal encyclical from 1885 said, Mm -hmm. you know, talk to them about Mm -hmm. scripture and because presumably you have common ground, right. And you have this, this agreed understanding and we don't we don't start from a shared truth anymore because i don't think we believe that shared truth is actually that important because we all kind of accept this first principle of modernism that is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everyone has their own truth and yeah. you just have you have a responsibility to believe the truth that is the truest you know cuz we believe we believe that everyone has the right to their own truth until their truth conflicts with ours Right, and so and then we don't which, is, that which is why it's so easy to to live in the Catholic bubble and and not be convicted. I am convicted that there are, are Protestant friends of mine on this campus. I desire so deeply to know the fullness of the truth. I know so deeply to to receive Jesus, or I want them so deeply to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, and I want them to be able to go to confession. I want them to have the fullness of the Spirit in the sacrament of confirmation. I want those things badly. Very, very badly. But I had I not become a missionary and gone out on campus and talked to strangers and met friends and, and sacrificed some of my life and some of my desires and met other people and got involved in other people's lives, I never would have met these people and I never would have had that desire. And so it's it's really easy to to not be in the arena, as it were, and just be completely content. Like... I'm imagining, I don't know, when you're in the arena 
you're in there and you're mixing it up with everybody you see how different everybody is you see where the actual like where differences of belief and truth kind of jut up against each other but when you're in the stands you can set up partitions you can have your section kind of like a cheering section of like this is the catholic section of the arena this is the protestant section of the arena this is the orthodox mm-hmm. section of the arena and then the jews and the muslims and the the atheists and, and the hindus and buddhists all those people are over there and like maybe if i walk by you know their their place on the way to the concession stand or the bathroom i'll see them and i'll be like that's interesting but then i'll go back to to my seat you know and it's only when you jump in and you get out of your own team's cheering section. And I, I don't want to talk about red team versus blue team. I'm talking about, like, my Catholic faith. You know, like, I go to Mass mm-hmm. on Sundays, and I'm with these people. And, like, have you ever considered, not you, Patrick, I'm just saying people in general, have you ever considered going to a Protestant service on a Sunday after you go to Mass for the sake of meeting people? You know? Like, have you ever considered, you know, asking your friend at work to, to go to church with them? I used to do that. It was fun. Yeah, it's it's a great I time. To, I met I met like seven former Catholics. Yeah, and they were all we all talked about it. Good it things happen cool. when we get in the arena, and if we commend Don Quixote for one thing, that man gets in the arena. You know, he really like, does. That's and I think that's the 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 great mystery of this book is like he's believing in his own truth and he's trying to, uh, you know, force it on other people and and he's trying to make a world exist that's never existed before but his methodology i think is good he takes action like he has he believes something to be true so dearly that he leaves everything behind and he goes for it and he wants to he wants to he sacrifices life and limb over and over and over again to do what he believes is right as misguided as he is i think we should look at that and say okay if this guy can do that for something that's wrong and for something that's misguided and do it in such a goofy and stupid way what where is that zeal for us you know because he does grow i would hope there's so very, the novel would be very, very boring if he did not grow he didn't grow. there's a very beautiful part of the book in the in the second book so book two second half where don quixote is giving sancho advice mm. and it's a whole chapter it's a very long chapter um brevity was not uh invented yet um and so uh, a very long chapter where he gives Sancho advice on how to be a just man. And it's actually a very interesting treatise on justice from Don Quixote. I so it. I can't wait. Looking forward, look forward to that one. So was Don Quixote our topic? Yeah, I think so. That works for me. Do you uh, have anything else to add in, in the section of three to get married by Fulton Sheen, where he talks about, uh, zeal as one of the four uh, effects of love. He says, Love does not thrive on moderation. And that was the last thing I, like I that. was going to say. Because if we really love what is true, if we have the truth, not as Catholics we believe we have the truth, we have the truth, we should love that truth, and we should not moderate our love for that truth. Mm-hmm. I think that's in the same way that you, Patrick, do not moderate your love for your wife so that you can love other things. It's you love yeah. your wife completely and totally and whatever else comes with that. That's what you signed up for. You know, mm-hmm. it's crazy for you to say, I'm only going to give 60% of my love to Phoebe today. It's crazy. Yeah, so that'd be really stupid. It would be really stupid. We do the same thing with the Catholic faith all the time. We do the same thing with Jesus all the time. And I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it. We need to be more like Don Quixote, but also a little bit less like Don Quixote. Oh. So uh, I think that's good. That's good. Thanks. Cool.
We did a topic. We did a whole topic. You ready for Dr. Ethan's Whose eating morning? Whose toes are those? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the for Dr. Ethan's eating corner. All right, you came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> um. All right, this is exciting. Lay it on me. Dear Dr. Ethan and Professor Patrick, yes. please use a fake name. Thank you. I'm in a Ooh. difficult situation. You gotta so come up with, I'm not is ready. Is this a guy or girl? Guy or girl? Guy or girl? It's a guy. It's a guy. My girlfriend and I have been happily dating for almost a year and a half, and things have been great. I think she's a wonderful person, truly an incredible part of my life. However, we disagree on several political and theological issues, but it's never been much of a problem. Mm. We here you wouldn't be writing in if it was not. We have always <laughs> been able to talk about things, talk things out, and find a bit of agreement. She is not Catholic. It isn't uncommon for her to ask some clarifications about what I believe. One night, she was studying for a test, and she asked me to tell her about transubstantiation. I went through several years of Catholic education, and I gave a brief explanation. She looked at me with disbelief and said, you really believe that? And she went on to say things like, how can it be Jesus if it's bread, and why would you need to eat Jesus? Listen, lady, I don't know. John 6, man, he said it, not me. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is, side note, this is why Catholic truths can't, exist as this is my truth because like why would someone come up with that <laughs> i um, believe that i eat god really exactly it's <laughs> Actually. Like, no, he just he just told me that it happens and he's god so i'm just like cool just like how god says you know we're actually moving four thousand miles an hour spinning through space i'm like all right fine <laughs> i guess i mean that's how it's not how i, I thought it. i thought cool. everything moved at four thousand miles an hour spinning around us and we were stationary <laughs> i explained it about as well as i could but then she said, I could never be a Catholic then, meaning that it was such a bizarre belief she could never believe it. Yeah, fair. Um, we discussed a few other things, but we couldn't seem to find any common ground, and the conversation seemed empty, like we didn't agree at all. We talked it through, but I'm slightly worried. Dating is about marriage. How could I marry someone who disagrees with me on basic principles? I care about her immensely, and I would consider us to have a very strong relationship, but I don't know if I could raise a Catholic family with her. Please help. Thanks a ton. Sincerely, um... I don't know, me five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all right, Lil Patrick. Welcome to the podcast. Um Lil Pat, as I as I call I call him Lil Pat. So Yeah. <laughs> I I don't I'm hey, you're you wrote into my podcast, so you want my advice? Here it is. You you gotta get in the arena. See the see the rest of this podcast. If you believe in the truth of the Eucharist and you believe that it's not just something that you think is right and that it's okay that she doesn't think is right. If you believe that the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Catholic faith and you believe that you want to teach your children that, and you also believe that you can have a good marriage and a good family life where your wife does not believe in the very thing that is the source and summit of your relationship with God. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, I yeah, wish there, it's, it's tough. I wish there was a bit here, but there's no bit because this is very serious. What I would do, very honestly, little Pat, is say to your girlfriend, the doctrine of the Eucharist is is that very that, right? Like read read that section from the catechism. Patrick, what paragraph is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought you might know. Um, 
read through that section of, of why the Eucharist is the source and summit uh, and say, like, this is why this is so important to me. Just read up a little bit, have maybe a bit more coherent argument than you had before. Not an argument, but just a, uh, an explanation than you had before and say, I know this is a sore subject. I know that this is really difficult for you, but this is the, the most important thing, you know, for me. And if we get married, I want to raise my kids Catholic and I want to raise my children to believe that they eat Jesus when they, when they go to mass and, and just kind of tell her like this kind of it hinges on this, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's really, that's really hard. And I don't want to tell you that if she disagrees to break up because I can't make that decision for you. But if your most important goal in this life is if you believe that your vocation is marriage, then you also believe that your vocation is to be the head of the domestic church of your family. And if you can't bring everybody in your domestic church into heaven with you in the fullness of Jesus Christ on this earth and raise your children Catholic, then you're not, you're not living out your vocation properly. Yeah. And that's just so hard and it's so hard and I'm so sorry, but there are couples who have been through this, right. And who have made it work. So the first thing is you got to pray for her every single day. You got to know your stuff to a to a T. This has to become very important to you if it isn't already. Like you, can, this yeah. is this is no longer a little Pat. Maybe sometimes listens to Ethan and Patrick on the Crunch talk about the Eucharist. This is little Pat goes and reads the Catechism section on the sacraments. Little Pat goes and reads and rereads and rereads John chapter six, Luke twenty three. Was that the institution of the Last Supper? Um, yeah, the Last Supper is there. Supper. Luke twenty three, John 23, six, and then. John 6. Um, Oh my gosh! Is Corinthians, first, first Corinthians eleven, um, eleven, yeah, yeah. First Corinthians eleven. You're gonna, you're gonna read those passages. You're gonna be very familiar with them. You're gonna listen to Scott Hahn's Fourth Cup. You're going to uh, read all of the Church Fathers on the like. You, you have to go in and put in all of this work, right? You need to learn about how Martin Luther wanted to keep the Eucharist, but John Calvin convinced or you know took it away, or, and and. Uh, yeah, Zwingli took it away right after uh, they split off from Lutheranism. Right, you're gonna go and learn these things. You're gonna read about how Martin Luther wrote, um, you know, on his desk in chalk that he wasn't gonna give up transubstantiation when they were deciding the doctrine of Protestantism. Like you, you should gonna... read Rome Sweet Home and learn how a devoutly anti-Catholic Protestant could become converted to Catholicism through the true presence of the Eucharist in the Mass. You're going to learn about how the church was born from the side of Christ by reading Revelation 19, Revelation 21. You're going to read about Jesus being the bridegroom. You're going to read about the church being the bride. You're going to be reading Ephesians chapter 5. You're going to be talking about how if the church was born from the side of Christ, just as Eve was born from the side of Adam, there's no way that the church could, there's no way that you, the, the transformation church that you go to could be the true church, right? Like you need to learn you're gonna, all of You're going to read up on how the Latin word consummatum, and consume come from the same word <laughs> consummation and consume come from the same latin word consumatum which is you know uh there's just what it means to like eat anyway i'm not saying all of these things to like flex on you little pat but what i'm saying is this has to become your but i hope you were writing all of that down i hope you're writing all <laughs> of that down and now it's recorded so you can hear it but like and there's so much more. There's so, so much more. Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Eucharist. Like, it's just, there's so many resources out there. That's by Dr. Brant Petrie, by, by the Dr. Brant Petrie. Um, First so of all, me, through God, all things are possible. So write that down. Right, yes. <laughs> um, but you need, you have to pray. And you have to pray before 
the Eucharist, right? Like you need to go to Eucharistic adoration and say, you know, like Jesus, I believe that you're here in this room with me, you know, like this has to make this the defining thing of my life. If it isn't already, you know, like go bring yourself before the presence and make that the place where you pray. And if you pray and if, if she comes around great and if she doesn't come around and you've been praying and you've been interceding and it gets to a point where you have to make a decision, you have to have the courage to make that decision. Um, so I'm sorry that I had to come to this little pat, but it's, it's the, the beginning of your training montage has to start right now. Um, Rocky four. Rocky was Catholic. You'll be all right. <laughs> Patrick, do you have any other thoughts? Anything maybe nicer to say to little Pat? Since you were in kind of um, that position, you 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 got this, man. You're gonna do you're gonna do great. I know it's super scary. I know it's like probably a very touchy subject. I know there's probably been tears shed and arguments had regarding this exact conversation. Um, but it's not something that is in your hands ultimately. And Ethan's point is very salient. The only thing you can do is become more and more convicted. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like You have to conform yourself to truth. Truth is something that exists outside of you, mm-hmm. and you have to become more true. right? Like The less you know, less, the less you believe a truth, the less true you are. That's just how it works. So like, it's, it's true. You have, you, have to con- you, you, you have to give yourself more over, because this is such a point of contention in your life, you have to become more devoted to this truth to be able to explain it better. You can't, you can't explain truth from a distance. You can't talk about a town that's far away from memory. You have to like, if you, if you're like, let's say your, your girlfriend's like, I don't believe that a town square, like, I don't believe that Times square exists. You'd be like, well, this is what it looks like. This is how you get there. Um, you need to like be in Times square on the phone with her, like telling her exactly where the stupid Coca-Cola screen is. You know, like you got to be able to tell her every single you have to live in that even doctrine. better. You bring her to Times Square. Boom, baby. How often do you go to adoration together? How often does she go to mass with you? Right. If she's as bought in on this relationship as you are, she will be willing to make some concessions. And if she's not, that's very telling. Very telling. If she's not willing to come to mass with you, if she's not willing to like watch the talks with you. Another one, uh, The Hour That'll Change Your Life by Father Mike Schmitz from Seek 2015. That's another really good one that's like very basic introductory. Really level. good one, yeah. Um but that, just, that 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 shout out makes up for you dunking on Father Mike earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Well, sorry. It's just he was the first person that came to mind and I've heard him say that so many times and I'm always like, "Oh, you're so attractive, but stop it." <laughs> I hope that helps a little Pat. If you have any other questions, you can always email me or Patrick and we can point you in the right direction if those resources are not hitting the nail on the head or anybody else who's having this trouble. Um The Eucharist is super super real and yeah i talk to guys about it almost every single week and it's kind of been the defining thing of my year so i've been i've been deep into this stuff so oh man good podcast ever since you rebooted your your internet this podcast has gone the stocks have gone straight up up, straight up baby it's awesome all right we gotta we gotta wrap it up you wrap up i I gotta go to sleep yeah it's 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 10 p.m in florida yeah, and that's that's way past my bedtime. Yes, sir. 
uh shoot so next next episode is probably going to have to be uh the the new year podcast right oh yeah Oof. it's almost 20 gra 21 <laughs> 20 gra finally okay <laughs> okay um so everybody look forward to that you can check us out facebook.com slash groups slash the crunch cast patreon.com slash the crunch if you like what you hear and you want to hear more I don't know what that means, but, you know, get, support us with some money. I mean, that sounds good. It sounds pretty good. Patrick, do you have any other thoughts before I ask you if you have anything else for the people? I don't. Um, well, except for the okay. Facebook page has been popping off. Yes. So get on that. Get get on that, uh, what you're missing. Thank you for everyone who uh, admitted they were guilt-tripped to joining Facebook.com slash groups slash the Crunchcast. Facebook.com slash group slash the Crunchcast. I know you're all pulling up your phones right now to hit that group up. It's a blast. People have been posting memes. Please post more memes about the Crunch. Thank you. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? The only thing truer than truth is truth itself. Truly. True, true, true. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we'll see you all next week. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.